When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi there. This is Martin Popoff, scribbler of 85 heavy metal books and host of History in 5 Songs with Martin Popoff podcast. When I need to get my kiss fix, I listen to Shout It Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus. Listen to us both on the Pantheon Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Check them out. forgot what podcast i'm on um it's tom and zeus with another episode of shout it out loudcast episode 81 review and we're reviewing master of puppets yes yes oh i wish we were doing i wish we were doing master of puppets 81 asylum tom and we do not have sunny poony with us Woo! No, we've decided album album review episodes are our little baby. No, no get no spe- no special guests on album reviews. So here it comes, Asylum baby, especially ones with poor taste. <laughs> Hollywood pony, oh. Hollywood pony, <laughs> horny women love rock burner account pony, <laughs> <laughs> horny women love rock Donna Chang. Poonie. <laughs> we're starting to think we're, we're starting to think most of those accounts out there are all burner accounts from Poonie. Yeah, Poonie. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of Poonie, by the time everybody listens to this, uh, hopefully they had a chance to check out the uh, the bonus episode. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, we've got a ton of stuff going on. It's it's and, pretty. Uh, it's, yeah, there's a lot going on. And by the time they hear this episode, they would have heard our uh, last night live stream live stream. Content on top of content. Oh, we are one busy podcast. That's right. Other than that, how the fuck are you? Wonderful. How can I be anything other than wonderful? It's album review time. This is one of our favorite, favorite times, favorite episodes. This is going to be a good one. I love this. These type of things. Uh, The episode is exciting, but it's work. It is work. It's homework. 
<laughs> we certainly want to make sure that we are as prepared as possible for these album reviews and just like all other episodes as well. And this one is a great one. Let's uh let's talk about uh the last week episode. Let's get all right, let's get into it. What did we yep. do last week? Last week we were uh a very sophisticated episode last week. We were honored to have the uh US ambassador to New Zealand Samoa and our former US senator uh Scott Brown. And uh that was quite a thrill for us and it seems like our listeners enjoy that too. My wife listened to that episode. She was uh very entertained by it and uh we were just thrilled to have him. Yeah. It was obviously exciting and uh, an honor to have him. He's such a cool guy, so yep. down to earth. It really showed because look at the reaction we got. There was nobody really that was like, oh, what'd you do this for? What'd you get that for? As a matter of fact, we had the opposite reaction. It's got a lot of fans out there. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And he's a, he's a rock guy. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, look, people who follow us individually might, you know, know that we're, you know, music is our passion, but we're also into politics, but having Scott Brown on was not, you know, a politics thing. It was a kiss rock music thing. And of course we get, we get some little politics in there because we are passionate about it and he's a local guy, but we, we were glad he gave us 30 minutes. We, we, we could, we could have spent all night talking to him. Yeah. And he's um, a really, like we said, a, a ton of uh, uh, a lot of fun and just really livened up and classed up the joint a little bit here. Yeah. And we're back this week to bring it down to the sewer. So <laughs> <laughs> we we crawled we crawled out of the gutter for one week. Now we're back. Yeah, and uh, let's go through uh, some of the polls that we did last week. What did we do with the ambassador? We we talked to him about what some of his favorite albums were. Well, first he said his favorite album was Alive Two, um, and then we pressed him for a favorite studio album, and he said Destroyer. So our poll was, you know, which one do you prefer? For me, this was a layup. Uh, we got sixty two percent of the votes said Alive Two. Which doesn't really surprise me because pretty much the best songs from Destroyer are on Alive Two, so you're kind of getting you're kind of getting Destroyer plus Rock and Roll Over and Love Gun. But there are people out there that love that Destroyer album, and you know, God bless you, babe. Say a prayer for Destroyer. God bless us all, huh? God bless you, babe. Okay, thank wish you. you luck in the future. Say a prayer. Thank you. Okay, see you later, fruitcake. Okay, bye. Yeah, uh, that would be me. I voted for Destroyer, but of that's course. just me because you're wrong. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> That's uh, that was the poll. We got some feedback, and let's get through this a little quickly because I, we obviously want to get to asylum. Yep. We um, we got some feedback on Facebook. Brent Milhouse said, "Just finished listening. Great episode, guys. Keep up the good work. Hoping there'll be an episode on Kisteria in Oz, nineteen eighty, sometime soon. Could be. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Graham Richley says, "Accountants, lawyers, senators." Interesting to hear someone on high loving our music, so often derided as music for simpletons by those not in the know. Got to give me an Eric, uh, get me an Eric Singer drum kit for the Kiss Cave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of people asked about that drum set. It's, yep. it's awesome. And like you pointed, uh, and like you pointed out, Zeus, that picture that we post on social media—that was him sitting at the Eric Singer drum set. Yep. Yep. And what did we get on Twitter? So Twitter, our, our good friend and big fan of the show, Mr. Chris Vickery, um, he retweeted us. Great interview with the ambassador. Good friend, big fan of the show, our buddy Steve. Love the episode, guy. The reach of Shout Out Loudcast is truly global. It's always good to hear the opinions of others about the hottest band in the world. Great how you mix up the topics from week to week and awesome news about your 
listening figures and numbers, the best fucking podcast. Steve, thank you for that. Yep. Of course, our buddy Murph, great episode, gents. And obviously, Murph is a hometown guy like us, so he's very familiar with uh, with uh, Ambassador Brown. Our buddy Zandon Black, uh, what an awesome show. I love this chat with the Ambassador. What a great down-to-earth guy. You have to have him back at some point. Thank you for also answering my question. That's right. The question of the week was Zandon's question. Josiah Horn, you guys had me busting up at work on what would usually be the most miserable day of the week, thinking about Mitch McConnell jamming out to kiss. Thanks for the laughs. By the way, if I got to make one decision for Kiss, I'd switch the release order of the Elder and Creatures. Oh yeah, it's based on our question of the week. One one decision, one change that we'd make. I like um, that idea. That's a good one. Yeah, Twisted Kister. His comment is related to uh, our uh, recurring character of Pandemic Paul. He said, "I defended Paul a little bit on Facebook about not saying anything about Bob, but now I'm on board with the heat that he's getting." Mentioning recently departed artist smells of pandering to the media compared with the silence on Bob. Okay, everybody's got their opinions on Paul. We'll get to that, too, when we get into news. So, uh, But again, feedback is amazing, and we can't thank you guys enough for listening and uh, just telling us what you think of the show. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, let's go on. What have we got for Kiss World? Kiss World. So the big news this week was that the uh, previously postponed European tour has now been rescheduled. Um, And it's all going to be pretty much around the summer of 2021, uh, which obviously means that that final show scheduled for New York City in 2021 is going to be bumped. So that's exciting. I mean, that's that's another year away. Um, You know, so hopefully Kiss is going to be ready to go by then. Um, You know, it pained us to say that when we saw them in February, our opinions of that show were maybe a little bit of low energy, you know, whatever. So you're talking another year before they get going. You know, let's let's hope for the best. And, you know, we say it every week that U.S. leg of the tour starts in about a month. No word on that. I don't know if that's Live Nation or Kiss or whatever. We all know it's going to be postponed, but no official word on that. Um, so that was kind of like the big news of the week in, involved in that. Yeah. And then uh, you also had uh, a couple of new posts from your best friend. Yeah. So Pandemic Paul, the recurring character, he's back. You know, he, he just has to get it in there, you know you know, about the virus and the mask and everybody's got their opinions and that's fine. But again, he's, you know, he's being pompous and he's condescending. But I think the thing that's starting to frustrate me more because the virus thing just makes everybody crazy, whether you, you know, however you feel about what's happening, I, I don't get, you know, and I'm, I'm going to try to be respectful of all the kiss fans out there, and all the Paul fans. I really don't get this love for the soul station project. I mean, am I supposed to be excited about this because it's Paul Stanley? Because I'm not, I, I, that, that, that doesn't interest me. I mean, you know, I was thinking like, I love the Foo Fighters and I love Dave Grohl, one of my favorite bands, one of my favorite front men. If Dave Grohl announced that he was going to be doing like a bro country album with the Florida Georgia line, I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to listen to that. I wouldn't be like, oh, that's great. It's Dave Grohl. I can't wait for that album to come out. I'd be like, yeah, I don't want to hear that. But I am genuinely surprised by the amount of people that like can't wait for the Soul Station album. I just don't get it. With all due respect, I just don't get it. And I think it's just because, oh, it's Paul. Yeah, it, it is. It's the same thing as the same people that buy his art. No offense. Hmm. <laughs> I, think you, I, think you, right. I, I think you're right. It, it, it's because it's Paul. And, and the thing that's frustrating, too, and I, I read these comments on when Paul does his Twitter and Facebook posts. I read the comments. Of course, the majority of it, everybody's positive and exciting, but... You know, he's there's a picture of him in the studio working on the Soul Station music. Once again, wh- where's the kiss shit? 
Like you, you, you couldn't have put together like some kind of EP or a single or, you know, got the guys together, wrote a new song or something, but no, it's all soul station. Our buddy Murph had a great line (laughs) on our group text. He goes, what was that band that Paul was in after Wicked Lester and before Soul Station? I'm asking <laughs> asking for a friend. It's like, yeah, you're right. Like it's it, like nobody knows that he's in Kiss. I, I don't know. It's just it's it's weird. He he's just becoming like a bug. Yeah, I mean, he Kiss is what got him here, but he doesn't need Kiss anymore. He's got enough money. Which, he can which, do what he wants, and you know, this is for all the things. If you read his books, his read uh, here his comments and interviews. He's always talking about revisionism, like, oh, what was I thinking about the elder? Oh, that was the time in Asylum, the clothes. Oh, what was like, you're doing the same thing again. You're like putting like you're putting Kiss aside and acting like it's not like important because you want to do a side project. Of Motown music There's no demand for it It's a kind of a an ego flattering thing to you Because you know Kiss fans will still Go oh yeah I'm gonna buy this Oh this is great no matter how it is So it's just like You're painting I get it You can do it now Because you've earned that right But let's be blunt Why don't you put a poll out there What do you, What would you prefer Paul to do They want you to do something So rather than just sit home like Peter you know, if you're going to put a soul station out, they'd rather have that. But you can do something with Kiss. Why aren't you sitting down with Gene producing Kissology 4? Why aren't you doing a fucking sitting down with Gene and going over uh, a documentary that could be done on you guys? Or a movie? I don't know what they're doing and what they're not. Uh, or the, a, a screen uh, play of uh, a Kiss movie. Like, what are you doing? But, you know, you, you don't have to worry about Kiss. Or even 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 another uh, a Paul solo album like a follow up to Live to Win something yeah. Kiss related like you said he's earned the right to be Paul Stanley and do what he wants we get that but is there a real is there a demand to hear Motown done by Paul Stanley no fuck no there is not no there no. is not you know what it is it's like him talking about hey hey guys I just bought something from IKEA. I'm going to build this fucking backyard slide for my kids. <laughs> it's going to start on a Tuesday. Let me show you this project. And there'll be 10,000 people on Twitter. Go, oh, can't wait. Paul, are you going to take the stuff out of the bag first? Are you going to spread everything out? Are you going to have anybody help you on this? Well, like, if he, if, 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 <laughs> if him assembling an Ikea swing set is anything like him putting together pasta bolognese, then it's going to be fucking horrible to listen to. Yes, I do. I do. Tweeting about that and you'll yeah. still get flattering comments back. Oh, I love Paul. <laughs> How you organized and you took the fucking, uh, monkey wrench and twisted the screw right at the proper torque on the machine. <laughs> People, I need a Phillips head. Anybody got a back saw? <laughs> I mean, that's I, what it is. A 10 foot ladder. We're going to get higher. <laughs> oh, man. It's going to rain out, people. Who's going to bring out the tarp? <laughs> See? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> His neighbors are like, what the 
fuck is that noise? It's Paul Stanley on a Saturday building a swing set in his backyard doing Paul Stanley stage banter. <laughs> the only problem is fucking swing sets probably for himself. <laughs> I've watched the videos from Tears of Fallen and fucking uh, all night. I want to swing through the air like Tarzan. I gotta reenact that fucking horrific scene of me fucking swinging. Oh, we're gonna get to that. <laughs> fucking pandemic, Paul. Fucking now it's playground, Paul. <laughs> I'm gonna go around to my neighbors and see who needs handyman work done. Swing set, Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> is Bob the Builder belt on? <laughs> Walking around. Oh, Jesus oh, Christ. Oh, but that's what's happening with Paul Stanley and Kiss. Oh, yeah. Wow. I know. Anyway. I know. So, that get you all hot and bothered now? Oh, it always gets me hot and bothered. And when it's all hot and bothered, where do you go? We all know where you go. You go to adamandeve.com. Because free stuff is awesome. But free stuff to spice up the bedroom is even better. Select any one item for 50% off and Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff using promo code, promo code loudcast at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. A sexy item for him, special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And don't forget the best part, six free spicy movies and free shipping. Promo code loudcast adamandeve.com. Wow. So, so album review time. Asylum, Tom. Yeah. Right? Yes. So, yeah. What do we do? We always talk about how we came into the album, our first interaction with the album and stuff. Why don't you lead us off? Okay. So, 1985, Asylum comes out. Kiss were in the in the background for me at that time. You know, I, I was aware of the videos for you know Tears of Fallen and stuff like that. I was aware of the their outfits, etc. But in terms of owning this album and really getting into the album, it probably it really wasn't until later because in '85 I wasn't really like I said I wasn't. I, I don't think I same thing happened with me with us with Animalize and Crazy Nights. And it was an album that you know, if anybody's gone back and listened to our back catalog of episodes. You know, we make fun of this album a lot because our good friend Hollywood Pooney loves this album. He says it's his favorite. It, it, it's an up and down album. It's an inconsistent album. We're going to talk about it. Um, I don't go to this album very often. There's a lot of albums in the Kiss catalog that I find myself going back to. This is not one of them, but sinking myself into it for album review time always opens up my ears. Open your fucking ears, jackass. Gives me a little bit of a fresh um, approach to it. And that happened this time too. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about that. But yeah, I, I this is not a CD that I really owned until a lot later in my uh, Kiss fandom. Really? Yeah. So I'm I'm a little bit different. Okay. So when I um, you know, we just talked about Bon Jovi that in our previous bonus episode. That's my first album that I bought on my own without family members, without an uncle, without a cousin, without my brother telling me, oh, this is good music. I got into Bon Jovi. You're talking about 84, 83, 84, whatever. I got into Pyromania. I got that from my brothers and my cousins and obviously Kiss. And we talked about how I got into Kiss. 
So by 85 now, I started to get back into Kiss because I saw this Asylum Tears Are Falling video. Yep. So I missed the whole, what do you call it, Heavens on Fire animalized stuff. I didn't catch it on MTV. I caught Asylum Tears Are Falling video. That video got me back into Kiss and thinking, you know, at that to- time, I didn't know because my brothers and everyone else wasn't really into Kiss. You know, I, as I remember, I told you, I, I went to Michigan. I saw my cousin had played Animalize Uncensored. Yep. And he was like, holy shit, Kiss is still around. So that kind of put it on there. But the first album I saw was out there and that I bought on my own and got back into Kiss was Asylum. So I got Asylum first. That revived all my love of Kiss. And so 80s Kiss is where I came in as a kind of a, what I would consider more of an adult than a child when I got back into Kiss. And that's the elevator I got on. So that era is very fresh to me. This album is very sentimental to me. And, um, you know, I, I know this era. I know this song, the songs. I know this album inside out. Yeah, that it, that's that, that's good. I'm glad we kind of have differing kind of histories with the album. Yeah, this is one of the rare Kiss albums where I really don't have any kind of attachment to it, whether it's nostalgia or favoritism or memory. Um, you know, like you said, other than that Tears of Fallen video, um, you know, it, it's an album that I own. I, you know, thanks to my buddy Steve from Part of the Hell, I have the vinyl. Um, of course, I have the CD. Um but yeah, it's an album that exists in the Kiss catalog, and uh, you know we're going to talk about it. Yeah, so I'm excited because for me, like I said, this is a very nostalgic album. Okay, so let's start off with the album cover, and uh, tell us your quick your thoughts. All right, it's horrible, um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we'll, we'll see you guys next week. So look, it's it's of the time. It's that very new wave, you know, like the picture is kind of weird looking, um, you know, the colors. The thing that sticks out for any Kiss fan is, of course, the lipstick for each of the members is relative to the the solo album characters, which if this album came out today, people would have a fucking conniption. Because if people said, oh, blue, that's not Ace. Oh, green, that's not Peter. Um, So that was kind of a ballsy move at the time to do that. And Paul Dennis Wolock, the, uh, you know, the cover art designer said that, you know, Paul had seen an album by the, the band, the motels, which if you're familiar with them in the eighties, MTV, they had a lot of videos. And again, the motels were like a new wave pop band. And that's where they got the kind of the inspiration from my, what I think, I think the back cover is a little bit more interesting. I mean, you know, they kind of look ridiculous, but it's of the time it's 1985. So what do you think about the front and the back? I want to get into the, some of the artwork that's inside the liner notes too, but front and back. Uh, I know there's a lot of hatred towards the front. I like it. Okay. I think it's different. I will take this over. Ooh, uh, I'm thinking the eighties covers, non animalize. animalize. I can't, I mean, it's not just animalize lick it up. And yeah. um, others I'm thinking out loud. Uh, I don't know. This might be my favorite one. I know it's different. It's got the faces, but they're not normal. It is of the time, and that's what I like about it. Yep. It's distinctive. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's eye catching. Yeah. That era. Yeah. And I love that they did the colors on the lipstick on each one of them. 
Do you? I think it's a little bit of foreshadowing yeah. of what's to come that each one has their stuff. And uh, nobody bitched really about that back then, right? Exactly. Right? Right. Well, so, there, was, there was also no social media back then. If, Like I said, if that came out today, people would be flipping out. Yeah. And then you see the back is kind of like that. I don't know. What do you call that? Uh, who's the fucking guy that died there? The artist. Uh, Andy, Andy Warhol. Yeah, it's got yeah. that kind of a look to it a little bit. Yep. And um, just look at the clothes. It's just a bunch of fur balls, the hairs, you know? That's, yeah, brutal. But <laughs> And Gene's got the curly Gene Simmons chest hair pointing out. Oh. I actually prefer the back cover to the front cover, but I, I see what you mean. I, I see it, the it, again. It's 1985. It's distinctive. It's eye catching. Yeah, you got the uh, you know the track listing. You got lyrics, which I love. Yep. On the inside. Yep. Then you got these photos. Oh God! Each member has four shots of themselves posing or hamming it up to the camera. Like, for instance, if you look at jeans, his clothes aren't as bad as that Asylum era. Right. You can't even see him. He looks so dark. Oh, he wants a tanning booth or whatever. Yeah. Well, all of them really look like that. Eric looks pretty normal, too. Bruce looks, you know, I guess I would say pretty normal as well. And? You know, and then... (laughs) What the fuck is going on here? Dude. Holy shit, dude. These look like prom pictures. It looks like he's like a prom queen. (laughs) You name me one person that would pose like that. That top right photo with him with a finger in his mouth. Dude. What guy poses like that? they, they They look like like cover girl, like. Maybe it's Maybelline. Like they look like it looks like fucking one of the, like one of those, <laughs> like a Skechers commercial or something. Yeah. But it's funny. I don't see. I have the. I'm looking at the vinyl, and you have the CD. So on the vinyl, God. it's they're they're like they're like old fashioned like Kodak photo strips. That's how that's how that's printed like on the thing. Mine are it, all four together for each. Okay. Okay. Right, like Eric Carr looks like he's you know he's doing the doing his best. You know Gene look Gene actually looks fucking weird. I think I, I don't know what you even see him. He looks so dark. Yeah. Bruce love Bruce. Bruce is like I'm not doing anything stupid. I'm my, all four of my pictures are pretty much going to be the exact same. And then yeah. and then Paul is like ooh ooh <laughs> <laughs> the finger in the mouth just he, he loves that. That's his hey, go Aussie. Why don't you pose like this? I'm not going to pose like that. Are you fucking out of your mind? Except, oh, hey, wait. Lemmy, why don't you pose like this? I don't know, dude. We saw how Ozzy looked on uh, Ultimate Sin. Dude, he ain't posing like that. All right. All right. Maybe not, but I know what you mean. I, I, Nobody I ain't <laughs> posing like that. No. What the fuck? I know. Oh. So you want to you get into like the background, production, recording, et yeah, cetera, sure. get, get into so, that kind of stuff? Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, Or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good. Well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Asylum. Produced by Paul and Gene Simmons. From Kiss. <laughs> Why is that funny? It is so stupid. Those so, are the kind of those are the kind of jokes that we beat into the ground. So, the Paul produced Animalized. Now yeah. Gene gets a producer's credit. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I don't know why. <laughs> We'll get into something like that down the line. Yeah. Uh, it was done at Electric Lady Studios. Right Track Studios did a little too. 13th studio album in 11 years. That's insane. <laughs> That's a lot. That's, That's a lot. That is insane. When you, Especially if you look at bands like today that take five years. Between and in between albums. that, you got Killers. You got Alive 1, 2, Double Platinum. Yep. Solo albums. Yep. Holy great. shit. It's amazing. Released September 16th, 1985, recorded June, July, 85. So if the release police wants to give a shit about that, that's when it says it came out. September ah. 16th, 1985. Yep. First with new member Bruce Kulik. Yeah, Bruce. Love Bruce. Number 20 on U.S. Billboard. Was number one in Finland. Okay. Who, Yari yeah. Curry was listening to this album? <laughs> Tuka Rask was definitely listening. He's into metal. The Boston right. Bruins goalie. That's right. Yep. It's gold certified, but it's probably been platinum for a while. Yeah. It also continued, Tom, if you really think about it, we were going by albums. It continued the trend of every year, a new album. Yes. Really? They That's what they were doing. Just used to doing a tour, used to doing an album every year. Yep. It didn't and- slow down till the next album. Crazy. Um, yeah, Crazy Nights crazy, crazy come nights. out until a year and a half later. Yeah, and, and and Rolling Stone, who loves Kiss, gave this 
one star. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> exactly. Dicks. Yep. Seriously. Exactly. What dicks? Yep. So, you know, by now, Kiss is just, you know, doing their thing. They, they're trying to get back into the groove, rocking out, going to the tours, trying to get back to where they used to be. And if you think about it, Tom, they're, they're building everything up again. Creatures. Then Lick It Up gets bigger. Then Animal Eyes gets even bigger. Yep. Asylum's a drop a little for them, but it's still gold or platinum. It was. Well, and, and, and I think the thing, I think this is when they really tried to start taking advantage of the MTV culture. Uh, you know, Heavens on Fire was a monster for them with Animal Eyes, that video. And then this album had three videos and they really, they, they took advantage of that. But you're right. They're trying to ride that wave. And they were they they were steady with the wave. I don't think I don't. And Asylum didn't launch them any really higher than Animalized did. But they, but I, if anything, but it's it was continuing. Yeah, exactly. It was it was steady. Yep, exactly. And so Paul in behind the mask oh. gave it three stars. Not as good as Animalize. Gene says two stars, and he makes a point of saying this, and I completely agree with him. He says that it's a sister album of Animal Eyes. I agree. I totally agree. I, I, and, 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 he, and he compares it to the sister albums of Rock and Roll Over and Love Gun, and I agree with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I always put Animal Eyes. Any other sister albums? Any other sister albums? I would almost say, you know, do you do you put Hotter Than Hell with Dress to Kill? For for me, sister albums, I know this is going to sound weird because one's makeup and one's not, but I would put Creatures of the Night and Lick It Up. Yeah, I can see that musically. Musically, yeah, obviously not visually, but yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree with you. That's a good topic. Yep, maybe for another day, wink, wink. Exactly. And Gene also says they were trying to recapture the 70s without sounding like the 70s. Yeah, well, you didn't sound like the 70s on this album, Gene. I'm not really sure what that comment means because there's nothing 70s about this album. Yeah, it didn't do as well as the two previous records. It's more of a glam look and sound. Not as heavy In addition to that And I don't know where he plays But Alan Schwartzberg Is credited for additional Drum overdubs Which gets me to my comment Last week When when the question was What would you change And I said I would change the fact that they put Fucking other people on their albums There's a quote later on That I'll talk about on this album that Paul says that he makes it seem like it's not a big deal. I think it is a big deal. You have Eric Carr. Start the album and tell me Eric Carr is not a fucking unbelievable drummer. Why mm-hmm. the fuck do you bring somebody else in? No wonder the guy is always insecure and not sure of his place. Because I feel like more Paul than Gene always made him sure and feel like, eh, well, we don't know what we're going to do. Do you think Eric Carr ever said, nah, I'm all set. I can't make it in this week. No, I won't be there for that. Or do you think he'd be like, what do you need? What can I do? You know, of course. Yeah. Both. Yeah, right. What are you fucking bringing in people? No, I know. I, and again, I don't, I don't know enough about the album production process. I don't know if maybe Alan Schwartzberg being in there for drum overdubs. I've, I don't know what that means. I mean, at least he additional drum overdubs means it could mean anything. I mean, at least he didn't perform on a song fully, but I still see what you say about having an additional musician in there. 
I just, I, I just don't get it. I don't get why you do this. And it's like you're playing games with these people. He's in the band. He's willing to do the work. He can't do it. You're going to tell me there was something that Eric Carr couldn't do? Oh, of course. Eric Carr, so, right. It's just that kind of shit that uh, it's that passive aggressive shit that Paul, I feel like, does. Don't forget, it's not Bob Ezrin calling in for somebody else. Paul and Gene produced this. More or less Paul, and then right. Gene probably produced his own tracks. So nobody else was calling for somebody else. He did. No it, 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 no, it's true. And and like some and a couple of other interesting comments from Bruce about the production thing with Paul. Yeah. You know, he he even says, you know, P- Paul is always searching. If we're on it, he's not sure, and that drives me crazy. I sometimes have to tell Paul, I think the song is there. You know, and I can see that, like so meticulous, like the perfection, which can be a fault sometimes. And then Bruce is like, Gene's more risky. He'll throw a hundred things at the wall and see what sticks. <laughs> At times, I'd feel Gene and I had captured an idea and then would lose it because he'd be too experimental. But then again, it made me work harder. And then he says, Paul and Gene always compete. Good cop, bad cop. Um, this is a funny line. In some ways, the potential and the quality suffers because one of them gives into the other. They do compete and it makes them strive to do better. Okay. I, you know, I don't know about that. I, I will say in terms of this album, generally speaking, I think Animalize sounds better. The production on Animalize, I think, is more heavy and thicker and rocking. I think Asylum is a better album than Animalize, but I'm not a big fan of the production. I think it's a little bit thin. I think it's very 85-ish, if you, you know if you know what okay. I mean. I don't, I don't think it's a very thick. I don't think it's a very heavy produced album like Animalize. I think Animalize sounds pretty heavy. Well, the bigger the, push, uh, the cushion, the better the pushing. Most definitely. <laughs> Even though that's on, even though that's on revenge, but yeah, that's okay. And you know, a couple of interesting things around this time. You're looking at what 85, 86, 84 around that time. Yep. So you got the whole Gene is out being a movie star. Paul is running everything. Amongst the band, though, you got Vinnie Vincent Invasion out there. Yeah. You got Fraley's comments out there. There's a lot going uh, on in Kiss got, World. Yeah, you got White Tiger out there. I think it's been a couple of years since uh, Peter had released, uh, what is it? Let me rock you. Yep. There's a lot of fucking action. Everybody's yeah. alive. There's a lot of shit going on. And then if anything, too, you want to add, Gene's got his movie career going on. Absolutely. You can catch him on Miami Vice. Yep. You can catch him in movies. Uh, was it Runaway came out first, right? I think, uh, I don't know if that was already out by now. Yeah, but like he came it, out before Wanted Dead or Alive, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. also did that movie in Drag and whatever that was. Yes. So yep. there's a lot of shit going on. Kiss is, uh, you know, starting to go back up. And then they, you know, they do the, uh, you want to talk about the tour a little bit? Oh, God. Do we have to? <laughs> I mean, well, one thing that's, the two things are famous for that tour or for that era, in my opinion, is obviously everybody knows the unbelievably absurd outfits that they wore like so over the top embarrassing and we're not talking about the outfits that they had in the videos those were one thing the outfits that they that they had on that tour and then that tour is also famous you know kiss fans out there know this that tour is famous for having that massively gigantic kiss logo behind them the biggest the biggest biggest that they've ever had um the tour was mildly successful like like zeus said they were kind of they were kind of riding that wave they hadn't kind of shot the trajectory hadn't really gone continued upward. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was a, 
it, it was a it was a tour, you know. I guess it wasn't one of their big ones, but it, you know, the, the look and the appearance and that stage setup was uh, was quite famous for sure. So the other thing is, in from that awesome book that you talk about uh, quite often, Kiss and Sell. Oh yeah, by uh, what's the name, Chris uh, Lent. Chris Lent. Yep. Yeah. So he talks about in that book about the tour and the money issues. So yeah. they had to scroll back the tour three times. I think there was three sets because they had to keep going back because they weren't going to make money. if They continued on the way they started off. Exactly. And so that had a big play. They had the whole issue with the Howard Mark stuff and the money stuff and everything mm-hmm. else is breaking out during this time. And that's for a different episode. I don't want to get too much into that. Yep. And get caught up in the weeds, but the tour itself, obviously during that whole tour, they always played tears are falling. I think all, all night was consistent throughout the tour as well. Yep. And then they would throw in King of the Mountain here and there, from what I understand. Which I'm sure was awesome live. <laughs> yeah, obviously with the drums and stuff like that. Yep. Um, and then they also played during that time a cover, which was the, you know, which they always play a little bit of in the middle, I think, of Lick It Up and stuff, Won't Get Fooled Again. Okay. Yep. Yep. And people are like, what the fuck are you doing playing a cover? You're Kiss. You have a million songs to choose from. In addition to that, if you think about it, it is true. And I think I read it in um, Greg Prado's awesome book. Yeah, Take It Off, Take Kiss it Truly off. Unmasked. We, we, had, we, had, we had Greg on before. Uh, check out that episode. And, and you have to get this book. It is absolutely fantastic. And the one thing that's so great about this book is that he has a ton of interviews, and none of them are Paul and Gene. Great, yeah. great book. But go ahead, Zeus. I cut you off. No, because you did that. Now I'm like, what the fuck was I talking about? Because my Alzheimer's <laughs> kicking in. <laughs> you were talking about something about this tour from Greg's oh, book. So yeah. the other part to this is this was the lowest of the 70 songs in a Kiss set. Yes, that's right. They started to kind of get away from that. That's right. They, yep. They were still playing all the stuff from like Creatures, Lick It Up, The mm-hmm. War Machines, The Creatures of the Night, I Still Love You. And then lick it up stuff. Uh, uh, what's the other one there? Butter in the knife. Uh, what do you call it? It's like a glove. Hot knife through butter. Yeah. Yeah. It's on fire. So, and then if you're playing two, three songs from uh, Asylum, yep. you're really down to like four or five songs from the 70s, if that. That's right. Which, right? Is, a, so which, is, a, which is amazing thinking of that. Yeah. And, and, they didn't, and that's why people say the hot in the shade is the, always the best one of that era, kind of. Because they went back to it again. It was a perfect mix. Yep. Exactly. Yep. And so that was the lowest point, I think, of 70 songs in a Kiss set list. The biggest sign. And then also, you you, you forgot to tell the story about the... Apparently, the, the, the there was a story that they went up to the the costume designer for the clothes for the tour. Oh, and they ahead, thought yes. it was a joke. She's like, okay, these are your, these are your tour set costumes. Yep. And they're like, ha ha, that's funny. And then the lady started crying. She's yeah. like, oh, I'm serious. This is what I came up with for you guys. She's like, oh, shit. Fucking brutal. Like, brutal. Like, whole, unbelievably ridiculous look. I mean, they, 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 made, they, made, they made guys like, they made bands like Poison, like, look like normal. <laughs> well, I mean, this is the background of Asylum. You ready to kind I'm of get into the music? Anything else you want to talk about before we start? No, no. Like we said, we it's it's the great Bruce Kulick's first full album. You know, he picked up the, some slack on the Animal Eyes tour, but this is the first time that he's on an album. And you know, we'll talk about we'll, we'll talk about that when we get into the tracks. Awesome. Well, to start us off, how would you like to hear some drums, Tom? 
So we kick it off with King of the Mountain, you know, a little mini drum solo to start off the album. I know people out in Kiss World love this song. I think at least we hear that people love this song. Uh, the song is average at best. The chorus is horrible. It's got a great solo by Bruce. Eric sounds great on the entire album. Bruce sounds great on the entire album. It's got a breakdown in the middle of the song that's just ridiculous. You know, where everybody's kind of like, oh, and he's like, you know, it, it's it's just not a good song. And, and and for me, a lot of these songs on this album, I take that back. I shouldn't say a lot. There are songs on this album that I use the word disjointed a lot because a lot of them, the songs that don't have like a good flow to them, whether it's verse to chorus or verse to bridge or breakdown to court. They just, this is a song that just doesn't, I don't know. I'm just not a big fan of it. You know, I, I, Eric sounds great, but I just, I'm just not a big fan of the song in general. So there's a, you start off with this kick-ass drums. Yep. The double bass drum is going throughout this song, throughout this album, right? Big time double bass. Yeah. Okay. I, I can't explain it, but, I don't like when Kiss songs, the title in the chorus is the only thing in the chorus. Great, so, great call. Yeah, maybe maybe that's my problem with the chorus. Yeah. You're in the side. <laughs> Same thing. Yes, exactly. I'm the king of the mountain. Yeah, that's all he's saying. I'm the king. There's no rhyme where you catch the line from the title of the song rhymes with the verse before it, like everything else that yep. they do. Yep. Paul is usually the king of coming up with that hook, that chorus, the it's a it's a you know rocking song. It's upbeat. It's not a bad song, but I, you know everyone's like, oh, I love it. But it keeps into the tradition of the tri, almost like I would say the first four songs, four songs in a row, Creatures of the Night, yep. right? Exciter. Yep. yep. I've had enough. And King of the Mountain. I think they're very similar opening up. Kick-ass rock songs. Yeah, like heavy kind of and get yep. the album started. Yep. Uh, except this is the worst of them all. <laughs> no doubt. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and all the king's horses. Okay. I and can all do the king- without a fucking Humpty Dumpty line in my Kiss songs. But all the king's horses and all the king king's men were getting crazy again and again. Oh, okay, settle oh. down, Mother Goose Pasta. <laughs> right, look, look, fucking Rumple Stanley Stillskin. Relax, dude. Okay, relax. <laughs> like Rumple Foreskin. <laughs> oh God. But anyways, Hickory know. Dickory Doc. <laughs> I'm not doing dice, man. <laughs> Shit. Little boy blue. <laughs> he needed the money. Go ahead. Um, you know, it, it's just fast intro again. It's just not very melodic. That's exactly. Thank you. That's the it, word it, I left he out. Is the king of that stuff. There's no hook or metal melody to it. It's just no. a. It's just a ramble of a rock song. And the other three that I mentioned previously that had that a little more. Totally. Uh, the solo is the introduction to Bruce. Yep. And there's a bit of shredding in there without being overly obnoxious. Well, I was, I was intro too. So that you're listening to this to and going, wow, they just had that guy, Vinnie Vincent. And that guy, Mark St. John was supposed to be a shredder. Jesus. Where'd they get this guy? This guy's pretty good too. I noticed that a lot on this Bruce. And, and I think that's also of the era 85. There's still, there's still a lot of that 
shredding up and down the, the fretboard kind of business. And Bruce does that a lot on here. But as we talk throughout the album, there's a lot more control that Bruce can show. You're going you're gonna to have the shredding. Yeah. And then they have that Bob Ezrin break again, like you mentioned. Terrible. Uh, like terrible. Why? Of the mouth. Then he picks up brrr, the drums again. Paul calls this a fun track. Forgot to mention Bruce, who contributes three song. It's three song uh, writing credits on this album. That's right. Yep. Wrote this with Paul and Desmond Child, who's all over this album. I'll tell you right now, I was shocked that Desmond Child's fingerprints were on this song because Desmond Child is known for, like we said, very hooky, catchy, chorus-driven songs. This doesn't have any of that. No. No. So. Not at all. Nope. So I know, and that's the other thing I was going to want to talk about a little, Tom. It is kind of a, I don't know, like a favorite of some KISS members. It's um, kind of a niche for certain people, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's, it's kind of like the you, you talking about the song specifically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, people it, really it, love this. It's almost like the non-makeup version of like Mr. Speed. It's like, oh, I love King of the Mountain. I wish they played it live. He's like, no, like okay, yeah, enjoy. <laughs> I would I would say that I'm a fairly normal Kiss fan. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't. Are we hearing the same song? I yeah, I'm, I'm with you. No. Ugh, anyway, nope. um, anyway, you slice it next. <laughs> Any way you slice it. We've said this before. Um, we talked about this on uh, you know a couple other episodes. There's a lot of underrated or maybe underappreciated 80s Gene songs. And I'm going to tell you right now, I might be on an island. I have no idea where Zeus stands on a lot of this album, which is what I love about album reviews. I love this song. I'm going to tell you right now, I love this song. I think that opening riff, I don't know why, but when I hear it, I don't know if it's the production or the riff itself. It sounds like a Cinderella song. It sounds like I'm waiting for like Tom Kiefer to jump in on this. It's got a really cool groove. It's got a vibe. Like this is what I'm looking for for Kiss. A groove, a vibe, kind of like a little bit of a pace to it. I love the chorus. I love the call and answer chorus. I think it's so fucking cool. So 80s cool. One problem I have with this song is when they do that breakdown. 
and, and it's it, it's it becomes all electronic drumming. And I'm like, ah, what are you doing? You got Eric Carr. Maybe that's the Alan Schwartzberg stuff. Maybe that's his contribution to this. I don't know. And then, of course, you get that classic, you know, I want to be your King B. I want your hornet's nest. You know, like <laughs> fucking epic, epic gene. But one, you get this great song. What are you doing throwing in that bluesy outro? It just doesn't, that doesn't, it's just like that classic standard, you know, written blues outro. And just like, ah, you just had, you were doing really well there. And you just kind of shit on it with that. And I like the blues. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm a fan of that music a little bit. You know, listening to this blues music reminds me of my own troubles and tribulations as a young guy. And, uh... but I don't want to hear that with this. But generally speaking, this is a song I enjoy on this album a lot. So the song was written by Gene and Howard Rice. Story goes that Howard Rice was a neighbor of Diana Ross. During this time, Gene Simmons was living with Diana Ross and in Beverly Hills, and she was a neighbor of his. He was a neighbor of hers. Excuse me. He was an engineer and writer, and he went over and played some quarter progression of music that Gene liked and picked up on, and that's how he wrote the song. I wrote a couple of the same thoughts, Tom. Love the intro on the riff in the riff. The riff rips. Yep. I love that. I think it's I think this is this is uh how can I explain it? This is good sleazy gene. Exactly. It's a sleazy, right? it's a sleazy 80s song. Yeah, it's a good sleazy gene. Gene yep. sometimes can go overboard a little bit. This one works, even though you're right. So let me be your king B. I want your hornet's nest. That's so great. That is fucking great. That is so great. I love it. I think that might be worse than her fireplace. <laughs> Calling a female's private part a hornet's nest. <laughs> I don't know. Would you rather put your thing into a fire or a hornet's nest? <laughs> Well, it depends. I mean, a log goes in a fireplace. <laughs> a king bee goes I in a hornet's nest. Found our 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 what do you call it? Our pole. <laughs> Would you rather put your <laughs> log in a, in a hornet's nest <laughs> no. or a fire <laughs> fireplace? What do you think is safer? Putting being a king bee and going inside a hornet's nest, or being a log and going inside a fireplace? <laughs> What the fuck, Gene? I love it. I like the back and forth. You're right. The backing vocals, guitar vocals, drum. You know what I sense in this song? Energy. Uh, oh, I sensed, yeah. I sensed it on King of the Mountain. Yep. Whether I like the song or not, they're ready to go. Yeah. And you know what I mean? They've got that. Same thing with this song. They're ready to go. Yep. So I know what you get into, and we will talk about this. And you know what? Now's a probably good time to talk about this because we're talking about the first Gene track. Go ahead. Bring this up. I Go thought ahead. shreds here, but it's also cleaner and more refined. I can't explain it. It's not Vinnie Vincent stuff. It, it's controlled. It's controlled. And, yeah. And it goes with the song. It's not just on its own. You could put that solo with any song on the album. It's just him fucking noodling. Exactly. I do like that. Uh, I, I do like the break breakdown, Tom. You do. I told you once. I told you twice. Well, no, I, I don't. I don't mind the breakdown so much as I like. I, I don't the electronic drums. If you listen to it, like I'm like, what are you doing there? Like, like the the breakdowns okay. Yeah, the breakdowns okay. Yeah, and then I don't mind. You know why I don't mind that blues thing because they never do it. It's just something different. Yeah, if they did it a lot here and there, you'd be like, oh, why are they doing that again? But because I don't really can't recall off the top of my head them doing it before. I don't mind it once. 
Okay. You know, different. Okay. Good for Gene. Okay. But here's the part I want to talk to. And by the way, you mentioned Cinderella. Yes. That somebody save me. That's what that sounds like. Yes. Yeah. This song could have been on, on the night songs album. It sounds like somebody saved me that ripped off any way you slice it. Yep. But I want to read something to, from you to you, to the kiss army from the book of Paul Stanley. Oh God. From kiss. <laughs> All right. Here's Paul. As we sit to work on a follow-up album, Asylum. The problem for me was that my ostensible partner had the same attitude as the record company. Gene just didn't care. He would show up in the studio after being up all night with some third-rate band, like the guy that plays guitar for you now. I was just going to say that. He was producing, exhausted, with some half-ass song he wanted to put on our album. That he may or may not have actually written Again, he felt he should get a quota of the songs on the record And again, he wasn't delivering the goods He didn't devote the time to it If I suggested he would spread himself too thin He said, no, no, I'm giving 100% My feeling there was a traitor in the midst Grew daily every time Gene denied his subpar And off the non-existent contributions to the band Somebody wasn't playing for the team. Somebody was only thinking about himself. Kiss was a distant second on his agenda. You were the only one person I thought I could always count on. When I voiced my sense of betrayal, Gene said, well, you can do things too. This was evasive bullshit. If I did, there wouldn't have been a band or any albums. I wasn't able to see the band disintegrate. I wasn't able to see the band disintegrate, and he knew it. Now, I know that feeling. It's one of those things when you have a partner, not you, my friend. No, thank but you. The partner <laughs> that, you, that you know doesn't hold their own weight. And he's like, well, why should I do shit? I know he'll do it. And then you're like, fuck it. You're doing all the workload. I get that stuff. I've seen it with other people in business and things like that. It happens. But this is not the same. Just because you're sweating over here and Paul and Gene can handle everything himself. I'm sorry. I know we haven't gone through all the songs yet. Um, I can name songs on here. I don't think you. I don't think you did much better than them. But you're you're hitting the nail on the head, Paul. This so like that's the shit that annoys me. And he's always bitching about this stuff. I'm sorry, Paul. Did you put fucking? I. You know what? I'm going to hold that thought. Let's save it till the end. But I wanted to read that because it reminded me that we're both saying the same thing about. The first Paul song, the first Gene song. Yeah. And the I want to at the end, just remind me. Yeah, real quick. The problem with Paul, like you said, is that he thinks that because he puts all every ounce of blood, sweat, and tears in it, that that makes it like right. Whereas other people like Gene might be like, look, I got a kick ass song here, but I can still do these things over here. Just because you're pouring every ounce of energy into it doesn't make you better than me and doesn't make your song better than mine. You know, the old expression goes, maybe you may work harder. I might work smarter. Exactly. And and it fucking takes you that long. And I have friends that I can float this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I think this works. I I agree. Believe me, I I work with people like that where that phrase comes in quite often. Yeah, you may work harder. I work smarter. So it doesn't make you better. Oh, my God. I went home. I read the whole fucking manual upside down. 
Okay, well, I just watched the video in 20 minutes, and then you hit all the bullet points I need to know. I didn't have to read the fucking War and Peace manual. Right. Fuck exactly. Off. Exactly. And I think that's the problem. I think that's how Paul judges people. But real quick, before we move on to the next song, you didn't mention the Howard Rice song that we got. You mentioned Howard Rice, and you mentioned yep. the, cor- the chordal pattern, but you didn't say that it was Patti LaBelle's new oh. attitude. I'm feeling good from my head to my shoes. I want a new attitude. Come on. You hear new attitude and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I think I got to go with yeah, I got to write any way you slice it and have Gene sing it because it just sounds like Patti LaBelle's new attitude. <laughs> All right, let's move along. Yeah, um, but, you know, it's funny that that quote I was reading from his book, Paul's yeah. book. Yeah. Isn't it funny that it kind of can apply to now? Everything he's accusing Gene of. Gene is still putting kiss up front, kiss talking, kiss topics, kiss stuff. You're not putting shit into kiss. Is Gene pulling that to you now? Gee, Paul, when have you promoted the band in the last fucking three months? I, I totally agree with you. You don't have to get me. Don't get me fired up about Paul. Yeah, fucking <laughs> pandemic Paul and Tom. Yeah. Exactly. Well, All if right. we keep this up, we're going to be lonely. Who wants to be lonely? Um, um, that'd be no. Uh, no for me, sir. Yeah, you know, I can answer that right now, sir. You know, that'd be no. No for me. Cause sit down, Johnson. Uh, sit down. Sit down, Johnson. Sit down, Stanley. <laughs> sit down, Stanley. It, it's a, it's a, got a great groove to it. Got a cool chorus. You know, it, it's a standout track on the, on the album for a reason. I'll let you talk a little bit more about the song and what your thoughts are on it. And then we'll talk about the video. Okay, so Who Wants to Be Lonely, written by Paul Desmond Child and Jean Beauvoir, who comes into the picture. Yep. And he also played the bass on this. They just, yep. And, you know, if you read the books and stuff, what he talks about, he's like, Gene said, I, you know, he liked the way I did the groove on the demo and stuff. So why don't you just play it? Gene has no ego about that. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah, Gene's probably like, fuck it. If I could sit down and eat this bag of Doritos, go play the bass on this shitty song that Paul wrote. I'm going to eat this frozen egg sandwich. <laughs> Breakfast sandwich. You can play that. Yeah, that's that's and song. Fart, and fart out Doritos. 
for the next half an hour. The song blows. Go ahead and play if you want. I don't think the song blows. I'm just saying I can yeah, picture I Gene. I can picture Gene being like, this This is trash. Go ahead and play it if you want. You and your blonde mohawk. I'm going to drop a deuce and bang the receptionist. I'll be back in an hour. <laughs> exactly. In, in that order. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. But I think this is a nice mid-tempo rock I, I yeah. love the vocals on this. Uh, this is, again, I can't explain. This is a good song. It's yeah. not a ballad. It's not a hard rock. Kick. It's just a very good song. Yep. Paul hits this out of the park, I think. Great tune. You know, this is him working with Desmond Child at his best. And maybe it's Gene Bouvoir, too. Because the three of them come together on another song a little bit later. Same kind of result. Yep. Catchy as hell. Great singing. Great rocker. There's three parts of the song I want to talk about that I like. Okay. I like the part where he goes, who wants to be lonely? And then the band sings, who wants to be lonely? Back to him. Yep. Ooh. And then before the solo goes, right? Before the solo, when it goes, uh, yeah, I like, I like music that. Stops. Yep. And then I like the last part of that is at the end, when he when he comes back from the solo, I want to say to you, yes. And then, eh, the music stops. Yep. I wish they did it on the next verse too. Stopped, but they continue to play the music. I love those three parts in the song. Just nice little things, you know. That Sonny talked about it. Bon Jovi does in his songs. Little little quirks and makes you. Why do I like this song? Little things that John and Richie would do in their songwriting, and you know, it's no coincidence that John. Richie, Paul Stanley, Desmond Child, all kind of similar styles, similar thinking, and they come back to it. And I like the solo as well. So that being said, I'm done with the song if you want to go to the video. But no, it's true. Like you said, those like like on the Bon Jovi episode, <clears throat> and Sonny hit, hit it out of the park with his Desmond Child talk. Let's not give him too much credit. All right. Maybe. All right. He didn't hit it. Out, he didn't hit it out of the park. He got a ground rule double. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and Sonny Cooney, what a piece of shit that guy is! <laughs> but 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 you're right. Those little things that that make a song, that the a little things that make this song great and King of the Mountain not great, which is interesting because I think Desmond Child's fingerprints are on that, so it's very confusing that where he comes Maybe from it's with Jean Bouvois. Could be too, but uh, yeah, it, it's a very well put together song. Now the video. Holy fuck. Oh, my God. This trifecta of videos from this album is... They're all filmed together, Tom. No in shit. Father in England. You can yeah, tell. And, and, and it, wardrobe and stuff. And it's a lesson in what the fucking 80s were all about, because this video starts with Paul looking like a fucking Siegfried and Roy in fucking Freddy Krueger's boiler room coming out of there. I don't know what the hell he's doing. Can we do some boiler removal and pipes insulation and... Uh... Bleaching and everything, and then all of a sudden, then the, then the fucking video pans to to the group, and they look like and they look like they're standing outside the fucking fountain in front of Sears at the Burlington Mall. I'm like, where you guys? It looks like you're in like the food court, and all these girls are showering in the background. It's like there's a there's like so much weird shit going on here, and I'm like, and Paul is in that outfit, no sh- and that dress, and those no shoes, shoes just awful. Where did you get that dress? It's awful, and those shoes and that coat. Jeez, the whole video is a fucking mess. So you weren't impressed when Paul came out in his pink gloves. Ugh. His hair teased. 
and he's got his like Shawn Michaels wrestling jacket on. <laughs> Whatever the fuck he's That's wearing. A, that, Shawn Michaels looked good wearing that. <laughs> That's a big time '80s shiny Ric Flair fucking oh. <laughs> wrestling robe he's got on. Yeah, exactly. Um, Gene looks brutal. Brutal. I didn't even comment on him. Gene looks like Phyllis Diller and B. Arthur put together <laughs> with the worst helmet fro. <laughs> yeah, that, that hairdo. Like it's like wicked receding. <laughs> he's got like he's got the fucking skullet going. It looks like the the Gallagher skullet. Like a couple years before the Gallagher skullet comes into fruition, but but it's all froed out. Like it's just it's fucking brutal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he looks. He doesn't look like a very handsome man in that in that picture. No. But what about the other part? You forgot to talk about the the part of the video where Paul's like holding on to the monkey bars, bare chested and leaning up with his Paul Stanley chest hair hanging out. It's just awful. I know. I'm like, oh, a wardrobe change. I'm like, oh, no, he just took his friggin' jacket off. Yeah, the chicks in the shower and latex. Oh, Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, man, they were going to adamandeve.com for that. Yeah, deal. exactly. But the other part that's funny is like Gene is still doing his slapping the bass. Yeah. <laughs> You know, people want to know about yesterday. It's no mystery, really. You know, I was just doing my job, you know, plunking on the plunker like that, you know. I was strumming a little skiddly-widdly, feeling a little bit flu-flu inside, you know, rumbly-mumbly down in there. I had a big of a knocker block. I started with the flub-dub-dub and a tinkery-wink-woo-woo and tip-tap as if I'm saying so, you know. And there you have it, yesterday, but... And he's doing the thing. he's doing the thing where he holds the bass straight up in front of him. Yeah, you know, and like I'm like, dude, you're not the demon. You're not the demon anymore. This ain't War Machine. Put the yeah, bass like, down. He's like the fucking stand-up bass in fucking Elvis's three-piece band. <laughs> yeah, like playing the fucking cello bass. Um, hey Elvis, we gotta win. Elvis, we we gotta win this race. We gotta win this race. <laughs> uh, I could do that all day. I know. Good. Lemonade. <laughs> um, that's what's happening. I like Elvis Presley. Really, I give credit where credit is due. When Elvis was young, he was a bad motherfucker, boy. Elvis was bad. He was vicious. Sing his ass off. He sang so good, they let him do movies. He couldn't act. They said, fuck it, let him sing all his dialogue. They did. Everything Elvis said, he said, Elvis, we got to win this race. We got to win this race. (laughs) Elvis, want some lemonade? Lemonade. (laughs) That cool, refreshing drink. And then, you know, Paul is also perfecting the Paul Stanley dance moves with the guitar that he will perfect in videos for the next 10 years, where he just shakes his hand in his hands. He's got jazz hands, and the guitar just hangs loose, and it's hanging out in front of him, but he just shakes dude, his hands in his ass. That Paul Stanley shuffle. I'm like, dude, you're not, you're not Axl Rose. Now, Grant, I know. Paul I don't, Stanley I, shuffle. I, I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God! This episode's gonna be fucking. This episode's this episode, gonna be. I'm gonna sorry, be, I'm gonna have clips galore. <laughs> the Paul Stanley Shuffle. When me and my friends go out of town, we can't sit still, we can't sit down. We don't like to fight and we don't like to scuffle, but we dance all night doing the curly shuffle. Hey mo, hey mo, hey mo, hey mo. Well, I'm Curly shuffle. 
be a fucking three hour episode. <laughs> oh man! At the end of the video, he like he undresses and then gets in the shower and like ooh, and he gets all wet. <laughs> It's you know, every time I watch these videos, I feel bad for like Bruce. Bruce is like, "What the fuck? I'm I'm in a rock band. I'm not, what am I do? What am I wearing? What is happening?" Yeah, it's like Eric Carr when he get. I'm in yeah. Kiss. What are we doing? <laughs> oh, we're going to do the Elder, and then I'm going to make you dress in this. <laughs> and Bruce, is like, I'm in Kiss. What are we doing? Yeah. Uh, I need you to put on this pink leotard. <laughs> and and the other thing you notice is Gene. So he went from the platform shoes. He's wearing like women's high heel shoes in these videos. You're right. right. Those are legitimate. Those aren't like boots with a heel. Those are like women's shoes. Like a football player in women's clothes. Yeah, the football in a tutu. The old saying that he used to say. Gallagher skullet coming into fruition. (laughs) Fucking horrible look. Well, you know, because of that, Tom, life's a trial by fire. By fire, the thing that sticks out for me are this couple things. First of all, that intro with the drums, it sounds exactly like Who Made Who by ACDC. You can go put on Who Made Who and go put on this. Sounds exactly I like I couldn't it. think of the song that it started like. It's Who Made Who. That's exactly what I thought of. I like the riff. I like the groove. I think it's kind of like another, like, it's got a bouncy little feel to it. But the lyrics are fucking horrible. Ooh, Gene, what are you doing, dude? I mean, this is like, you know, one of those, like, you know, self-help uplifting you know, just who do you think you are? Uh, oh, okay. Sorry, Gene. Yeah. Um, I, I like the I like the chorus. A lot of this album has like gang vocals, gang chorus. I kind of like that. It, it's it's a mid paced song, but I I do like it. Just the lyrics fucking ruin it for me. But uh, I, I like this song. Yeah, Kiss, Van Halen, Bon Jovi, Def Leppard. Love the vocals. Back in yep. vocals of the band they always yep. do a great job. Trial by Fire by Gene and Bruce Kulick, his second uh, writing credit. Yep. I wrote that, you know, I didn't think of that, but I thought of it sounded like Pat Benatar's Invincible. Okay. Okay. The drums in the beginning. Okay. Uh, yep. And then it's, you know, the same old Gene's version of You Can Do It, Waterboy. You Can Do It. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, good chorus, back in vocals. I didn't like that there's no solo. I didn't. I don't even think I noticed that. Yeah, Holy shit. Yeah, no I think you're right. It. Yeah, they break it down and then goes, live it. Live oh yeah, it. 
right? Yep. 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 Oh, my voice is just horrible today. Um, <laughs> you know, and Bruce says he gave Gene the demo idea. The song was originally called Live Fast, Die Young. And then they just reworked the lyrics. And uh, that's how they came up with this. So, you know, this is another one when I'm listening to Paul talk about, oh, Gene brings, I don't know if he wrote this. He wrote this with Gene. He wrote this with Bruce. Yeah. He did the other song with the other guy, just as much as you wrote with your friends. So yep. what the fuck he's talking about? I like the song. I've always kind of liked the song. It's not a bad song. It's nope. listenable. The chorus is kind of catchy. You know, but it's nothing spectacular, but it's not a bad song. Unlike the next one. Let's hit it. One of the worst songs in the entire Kiss catalog. There is nothing redeeming about this. It is, I describe this song as like frantic, like the pace of the song, even the sound of Paul. It's like, I'm alive. Oh, it's, it's like, he's like, he's like, it's like, he's like in distress and he's like screaming out that he's alive. I call this, this is like Paul's boomerang. You know, Gene has boomerang. Paul has, I'm alive. I don't know if they're trying to compete with Motley Crue, like Livewire. You know, I'm alive, Livewire. I don't know. It's the song is all over the place. There's no matter how many times I tried to listen to it and try to pull something from it that I found enjoyable. <clears throat> I just, I just couldn't get into it. I just couldn't do it. Um, I'm alive. This is uh, Bruce's third writing credit, along with Paul and Desmond Child. Uh, I'm alive. I think I put this in worst two songs in a row between this and the next song. Yep. I think I'm not sure if I had this on uh, our smashes, thrashes, and shit. We both did. Okay. I will tell you, Tom. Uh-oh. It's Don't... grown on me. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's grown on me. I like the song. Oh, no. I like it. You know what this is? You know, we did sister albums, sister songs. Okay. The last three albums have the same song. Give me more. Under the gun, I'm alive. Give me more is terrible. Give me more is might be worse than all three songs because you think they're all three 
fast kiss. I've actually under the gun is growing on me a little bit, but but uh, give me more. Under the gun, give me more. And then fucking this one, I'm alive. Fast kiss. Paul acts like a ladies' man. Oh god! Probably the you know best cheesy lyrics. The song's grown on me, Tom. I can't explain it. Love the back and forth of the band. You know the breakdown. You maybe you you know, baby, you make my heart beat. I was waiting for him to hit. Say, let's hit the highway doing sixty nine. Exactly. His voice sounded the exact same way. I'm like, wait, is this under the gun? But he did. Yeah, I know. And then there's the awesome guitar solo. The outro on this is great. Bruce at his best doing fast kiss. Three different guitarists. All three can do it. Right? Okay. You need more. You got Vinny. You got you got uh, Mark St. John. John. And you got Bruce doing this. I think it was the style still. The thread, the thrashers and the shredders were still big from 83, 85, 86, all that stuff. Okay. Bruce said he had the fast riff and um you know, he passed it on to to Paul, and then they brought in Desmond for the lyrics on this. Tom, the song has grown on me. I can't explain it. I it's like okay. it. It's okay because there's a couple songs that have grown on me. And okay. let's get to the next one. Loves a Deadly Weapon. This is a song. I, I shouldn't really be shitting on Zeus for saying that I'm alive grew on him because Loves a Deadly Weapon has grown on me. And it's that it's that riff that down 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 and down. It's just the the chorus is like loves a deadly weapon and murders on my mind. Like Gene sounds good. It's still fast kiss, so it's not a song that I prefer to listen to that I would go to. But going into this album, I hated I'm Alive, and I still do. I didn't like Love's a Deadly Weapon, and I came out of it being like, okay, the song's not as bad as I thought. I gave it a shot. That long squeal at the end of the song as the song kind of goes into the outro with Bruce just wailing on the guitar. I, I, I can deal with it. There's a little bit of a background to this, but before we get into that, Zeus, what, what are your thoughts on the song? And then we can talk about the background. Love's a Deadly Weapon written by Gene Paul... Rod Swenson and West Beach. Uh-huh. Like, we'll get to that part. Bruce shredding the intro and the solo. Very Vinny-like. Yep. But I would say, you know, the melody on this is kind of off. This is one of those, if you take the song out and take Bruce's solo, you'd be like, I don't know what song this belongs to. It's yep. kind of very, that's why I'm saying very vinny Just fucking a bunch of shredding. It is. Oh, give it to me. Settle down. 
demon. <laughs> um, and the other big thing on this is Gene's screaming. I love it. I that love it. Thing, there's no way. There's no reason why they never played this song live. There's no way he could uh, perform that at the no. end of the song. There's no. no fuck. I don't think he performed it in the studio. That had to have been enhanced. That's oh, so abs- fucked up. Oh, that absolutely. ending. People listen to the ending of that song and tell me that's Gene doing that all the way through. Yep. No fucking way. The other thing about this song is that the it's the lyrics uh, are are Paul and Gene lyrics. That's the first since Paul and Gene had a credit of All Hell's Breaking Loose. Before that was A World Without Hero, Flaming Youth, Shout Out Loud, Rock and Roll Night, Let Me Go Rock and Roll, Strutter, 100,000 Years. That's it. That's amazing. That's it. Yep. So we always have this thought about like, oh, Paul and Gene used to write music together. Why wouldn't they write more songs together? I don't know if they really ever did. And I think if they did, they brought in some, they would jump on each other's shit. But I don't think they sat down and wrote stuff together. If uh, On that list, I think maybe a couple of them, Rock and Roll Night, were stuff that they really worked on together. Yeah, it's a little bit of an urban legend that they sat down like Lennon and McCartney and wrote songs together, which is funny because there's a quote here where Gene says, I remember reading, you know, he says, we put it together Frankenstein style, a piece here and a piece from here and create something new. I remember reading that the Beatles did it that way with Lennon and McCartney sticking pieces of their own songs and brand new songs would be born. That's what I did with Love's a Deadly Weapon. Slow down, Lennon and Simmons. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) that is, you know, this is John Lennon. From the Beatles, <laughs> this is <it's laughs> not happening. Uh, but this, we get some a little bit of interesting backstory to this uh, this song. So, and we got an interesting email too. Yeah, so I'll, I'm going to read an email that we received. And read, it's it, read the email first, and then tell tell everybody who it's from. Okay, so the funny thing is, I get this email. I didn't think anything of it because I couldn't really understand it, so I missed a point to it. Yep. Right. And so I'm like, huh? What? What? Hey, guys, the title of this, and I got this yesterday before we filmed. Nobody knows we're taping this episode. Right. I'm looking at uh, an email titled Love's a Deadly Weapon. Yep. Hey, guys, why no love for Love's a Deadly Weapon? So right off the top, I'm like, what the fuck? When did we talk about Love's a Deadly Weapon? So this is this this means he must be a new listener, which is great, but he must be going through back episodes where we historically shit on a lot of these asylum songs. Or I'm thinking, did I ever say something recently? I'm like, I don't know. It's not like fucking loves a deadly weapon or something. Maybe we I've always we, you probably had because this loves a deadly weapon is a punching bag for us when we talk yeah. about bad songs. Yeah. So he writes, here's the story. Gene came to a pre Gene Simmons. <laughs> From Kiss came to a pre-production rehearsal to listen to songs for Wendy O. Williams' second solo album, Commander of Chaos. Wendy O. Williams was insane with the plasmatics. Man, she was kick-ass. His schedule was such that he couldn't produce it, but he heard the song Party and said, I think we'll use that. You can check out the original version on Wendy's Commander of Chaos album. It was written in the style of Motorhead. And before it had lyrics, it was referred to as the Motorhead song. I saw Kiss on the Asylum tour, and Bruce told me it was a good song, but too fast for Paul to play. 
That's the story. Now, I changed a couple things in this email because what he did say was, which I wrote. Who's the email from? Yeah. And he also said, I wrote it in the style of Motorhead. And then the the emails from Wesley Beach, co-writer of this song. Yep. Co-writer of this song sent us an email not even knowing that we had this scheduled as an album review. So small world, unbelievable timing. We get a songwriter emailing us about a song that we're on record as saying that we don't like, which I've come around to appreciate a little bit more. And that's not because of his email. Wes is the guitarist, was the guitarist, basically, for Wendy Williams and the Plasmatics, basically. Yep. So, and the writer of this song. And so apparently, though, this song came out in 86. There's also something where I wrote, where I read that Gene said that Paul wrote this song in 1980 under a different heading and title. And Paul, they were going to use this song for what was going to be the elder. And then they met with Ezra and they decided to go on a whole different route. So this, this song got pushed to the side. Yeah. It's interesting that in, in behind the mask, when you read the, you know, when they do, they go the saw the songs, Gene mentions nothing about Wendy O Williams or, or any of that. It's all about what, what Zeus said, how the song came out in 1980, <clears throat> excuse me, was written in 1980. They were going to use it on the elder and then it became a concept album. And they said, nah, and then they started mixing it up. So I don't know if, I don't know, but, but the songwriting credit is for, for, West Beach and he just sent us an email at an unbelievable time which so that's pretty amazing pretty cool yeah so she recorded that album in 84 didn't get released till 86 yep. so the song came out prior the song party and if you hear it and listen to it you're like oh shit that's that that's the yep. song yeah exactly yep so well, cool background on a song that I've yeah, come around thanks to. for writing to us Wes much appreciated absolutely adding to the show that's very cool thank you so Tom Ready to hit an iconic song? fallen i mean what can, what can you say about this song just classic iconic everybody loves it it's a standout for a reason just so well written so well put together everything about it the standout for me is maybe bruce's greatest solo right up there with the solo from forever for me this solo is 
fantastic. Bruce even talks about it in the book. He says, Paul played all the rhythms on this, and I came in there, and there was a nice meaty spot for a solo, almost an entire verse. You know, I made sure to stick in some flashy riffs. I'm really pleased with the solo. It's a highlight for me, both the recording of it and the video we did later, which we will talk about the video. Zeus? Yeah. So this is Paul, written by Paul Stanley alone. Yep. When And you don't even think about it, but the fact of the matter is, this is Paul's first solo writing credit since he wrote Magic Touch on Dynasty. That's unbelievable. Yep. Holy shit. Yep. Didn't realize that. He's been writing with other people. That's a great stat. Yep. But, you know, he did this on his own. He doesn't need all that shit if he can come up with this. This was the only single from the album. It reached number 20 on Rock Mainstream. It hit number 51 on U.S. Billboards and then 57 on U.K. Billboard. It's got that iconic opening riff. I can't think of that many great, better, especially in the 80s mid-tempo song and it's got that mid-tempo is it a mid-tempo ballad you know debate going on what is is tears have fallen yep i would say it's a mid-tempo song i don't consider it a ballad no i believe it i believe the solo is legendary at this point paul said the song came from stevie wonders uptight yeah everything is uh your uh your mythics tom help me out with my fucking tongue-tied uh, self. He was watching MTV and the video for Eurythmics of Eurythmics. The, so- the, the song "Would I Lie to You," which yes. then rem- which reminded him of the beginning of Stevie Wonder's "Uptight." Yes, yes, um, yes. And you know, basically, it was in their tour list up until they did the reunion. And then it's one of the only few ones they brought back after the makeup they had in the 2004 Rock the Nation, the Vegas residency, and then now, obviously, it's on End of the Road. It's iconic. It's legendary. It's the video that got me back into Kiss when I saw it on my own yep. um, and got me into the song. It was all over MTV, but it didn't translate to the radio, which is insane. Because when you think about it and you think about at that time, Desmond Child was doing stuff with Kiss, Bon Jovi, Aerosmith. Those two other bands blew up yep. on the radio and stuff. Aerosmith is just as old as Kiss. Yeah, it's amazing that the song didn't take off because, <clears throat> like Zeus said, it was all over MTV and it's tailor made for radio. It's got a catchy chorus. It's got a nice vibe to it. The verses are nice. It's a sing along type of song. And you just got to wonder if it's just that prejudice against Kiss at that time. Yep. So you ready to go to the video? Oh, God. Please. The go ahead. Disast- disastrous outfits in this video. Just brutal. Gene again looks just horrific. Um, the 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 section of Bruce doing the solo in the rain just oh, it looks awesome for the time. It's 1985. Paul, like we made jokes before, Paul doing his fucking Tarzan swinging from the fucking ropes. But the worst part of the entire video is at the very 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 end when Paul does his little fucking windshield wiper <laughs> fingers. <laughs> In front of the eyes to wipe away the tears. I'm like, oh, God. But, you know, it's 1985. Yeah. Yeah, I know, Tom. Begins with the ripping of the blinds. Yeah. Just, like, tearing down the blinds. And then Paul's in the corner jerking off. What the fuck was he doing in the I corner? I saw that. I'm like, was this like fucking the Blair Witch Project where yeah. they put the key in the corner? And he just turns like, around like, 
Hey, I'm Paul Stanley in my jeans, <laughs> yes. not Paul the rock star. Right. And then, boom, right back. So he decides to go from who wants to be lonely and take off the uh, purple gl- uh, gloves and goes with the green fluorescent gloves this time Ugh. and the red wrestling jacket that I think uh, he borrowed from Greg the Hammer Valentine, I think. <laughs> yep. um, you know, Gene's still slapping on the old base there. He looks like a football player, I'm telling you. That's in high bad. heels, it looks awful. He's got the caveman Tarzan act, uh, Paul. The, the the set is just out of this. It, look, it looks like a King Kong set or something. Yeah, Some it's jungle set. Yeah, the volcanoes, the staticky TVs yeah, that I've, you know. Fucking, what's that? What was that thing called? The the King Kong sequel they did. It came out a couple. Skull Island. Skull, yeah, Land of the Lost. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the the woman in the video looks like the mom from Back to the Future. What? what? Leah she, Thompson? Yes. Really? Yes. Watch it. The red hair down to her shoulders. She looks like fucking the mom from Back to okay. the Future. All right. Uh, you know, Bruce in the shower is kind of funny now. He's legendary. But I like when he does that whole overhand finger move. Yes. Quickly do that. When I was little, I was like, oh, my God, what is that sick move? Yep. <laughs> sick of Bruce. Yep. Um, you know, and then he's got the stupid Tarzan swinging. He jumps over the band and he's doing the whole fucking stupid, you know, Paul Stanley leg kicks and shit. You know. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, the, the, we'll have to save these for an episode someday, Tom. Really break this stuff down. Just do, do like a live, like live stream, like play by play of every, all of the videos. <laughs> yep, yep. So, ready to go to the next one? Let's do it. Cruel, uh, another underrated, unheard, uh, disrespected Gene song, as a lot of these '80s songs are. I, lo- I love the, I love the another song where I love the riff, I love the groove. Gene sounds really cool on it. You listen to the, you listen to the lyrics, and, and you know, in the book, Gene's like, "Yeah, this is a story of an actual girl I met. It was a girl who had pictures of me all over her wall, including a life-size poster that was parallel to her bed." She said, when nobody was looking, she was doing the nasty. I finally met this girl after seeing pictures and letters, and the letters didn't lie. She wasn't very innicent. Was there naked pictures of Jean? 
Ew. My wife wants it. A picture of me naked. Um, I like it. Cor- cool chorus. Another another catchy song, you know. And and again, Gene. Look, I know I know that Paul is the guy that's going to do the videos on MTV because Paul's got the, the looks. You know, no one wants to see Gene, but you know, you could have made a video for one of these for one of these Gene songs. You easily could have, or or at least released it as a single or something. But Paul was never going to let that happen in the eighties. Secretly Cruel, written by Gene Simmons. From Kiss. Great riff. And there's also the part in the song, Gene loves to go hot. I love love that. Yep. Um, That tradition continues. You talked about the story about the girl and all that other real, you know, Gene, a real class act. (laughs) Come here and make it quick. (laughs) There you go. Women love to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> um decent solo. Love the back and forth with Gene and the band in the backing vo- vocals chorus. I'm in love, but yep. I won't play the fool. And then he goes, secretly, secretly, cruel, yeah, cruel, yeah. I love that shit. There's a lot of that in this album, yeah. I agree. This to me is one of my favorite kiss deep cuts. Absolutely. Agreed. So I'm already on record. I've got two solid gene songs on this album yeah solid yep and um secret cool is i I can't say enough i i fucking love that song nice all right let's go listen a little led zeppelin So Radar for Love, like Zeus said, Zeppelin, Black Dog. Uh, another song that has definitely grown on me, the stop and go with the music. It's okay, you know, the Black Dog kind of impersonation. But as the song kind of gets into a little bit, the chorus actually I found actually to be tolerable. At first I was like, ah. But this is a song that's grown on me. It's it's not a great song, but I I, I found myself enjoying it a little bit more than I thought I would ever enjoy. And Paul obviously credits it, you know, tip of the hat to Zeppelin. Yeah. Uh, written by Paul and Desmond child. What you do, what does he say in the beginning of the song? Mumbling. So who you do, I, I don't know what he says. There's spoken words in the beginning. So I can't pick it up. I got it right here. Do you? Yeah. You yeah. do. You do. Passion fire running through my veins. Get no, a little bit no, of no, no, oh. no, 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 no. which That's part? Oh, what are you talking about? In the beginning of the song, yeah. he mumbles something. Oh, oh, like, the mumbling. I'm sorry. In okay, the, in okay. the beginning, as though it's like in the studio, he says something like, 
So what you do, so who you do, I don't know what he's saying. I know what you're saying. Yeah, I'm sorry. I missed that. Yep. Yeah, that part. I'm like, what the fuck is that? I, I, I couldn't get it. Yeah, and Paul says it's the tip of the hat. I'm not uncomfortable as long as it's not, you know, plagiarism. And do you like the part, right off of love? Fuck yeah. <laughs> who says that? There's a part in there where it says, fuck yeah. No way. If, if I get a... I'll be- I believe you. I'm going to have to check okay. that out because I don't think I heard that. Sounds like he's saying, fuck yeah. Just, you know, and he's got two in a row right after that uh, get all you can take. That's right. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then Desmond talks about this and he says, uh, Paul's writing is direct and clever. And it helped me when I ended up writing for Aerosmith and Bon Jovi. And then he's probably like, dude, if you wrote all those great songs with Aerosmith and Bon Jovi, why don't you write them with me, you fucking asshole? Yeah, Instead, well, I get right off yeah. of love. And, they, and those guys get fucking living on a prayer and uh, right. I don't know, loving an elevator, whatever you wrote with Aerosmith. Right. I get this fucking yeah, I get right I off get love. Fucking Black Dog cover song. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's uh, wrap this oh, up. night catchy song silly song silly silly song silly silly you know it's hooky it's it's catchy we'll get into the video paul had some interesting things about this that that that, that i i don't agree with but in the book that comes with the kiss box set paul says son of heavens on fire meets tomorrow and tonight in a dark alley Fuck no, Paul. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to give you a little bit where I see where you're trying to go with this, but hell no. No way. Heaven's on Fire and Tomorrow and Tonight are light years ahead of this as a song. Uh, he says, I've always wanted us to have anthems, songs that were singable for anybody, whether they could actually sing or not. Choruses tended to be simple enough. Okay, I get that. I get that. It's an easy song to sing. It's catchy. It's okay. It's a fun song, but it's good. Uh-oh, all night, Paul. Desmond Child, Jean Beauvoir, who once again plays bass. Yep. So he helped out the three of them, wrote this, and I believe Who Wants to Be Lonely, the other single. Two great songs on this album, if you ask me. Yep. This Then Ace took this song and made it insane from Second Sighting. 
listen to them and tell me it's not the same song. Yep. And he's got that. The thing I always remember about the song, he's got that Paul Stanley New York accent comes out. We're living in a human zoo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, I pick that up every time. I love the backing vocals. The chorus are awesome. Love the solo, too. Paul then goes on to say, because he had Jean Beauvoir and played on this album and stuff. It's amusing that people get annoyed when not all members play on a song. Philosophically, if it sounds like Kiss, it is Kiss. Well, I'm thinking to myself, just a boy does not sound like Kiss, and it is Kiss. Exactly. So what the fuck does that mean? I can think the reverse to what you just said. It just it's it's him. He it's him. Get it. He doesn't get it. He justifies it. The ends do not justify the means. He's justifying in his mind that he doesn't have to use those other guys so that he can control everything. It's That's what I was just going to say. He's excusing away the use of other people. He's thought oh, it's kiss. It's kiss. okay. Well, yeah, but it's not. I mean, we know what we understand what you're saying, but. There's a reason why people bitch about it. There's a reason why people bitch about Psycho Circus. Here's a reason to kick an old man down a flight of stairs. Just don't do it. Ain't nobody above an ass whooping. Yeah, and there's a reason why people bitch about your set list. You will find everything you use the same old bullshit lines to justify what you're saying. But the one big thing you guys had said over the years, we don't listen to the critics. We listen to you, the fan. <laughs> When the fans tell us something, we listen. That's who our audience is. Okay, Gene. That's a lot. Anyways, and then Desmond went on to say that Paul was conscious of what KISS fans like and don't like. We write with that context of what a KISS song should sound like. In other words, I write songs that are bestsellers in Q- on the pop charts, great songs. But then when I write with Paul... I dumb it fucking down. <laughs> and you can't and, and you can't get dumber than a song called Uh All Night. Like you just <laughs> I gotta write for what a kiss man would like. Exactly. He's right. <laughs> he's right. Like, it's like condescending backhanded compliment, right? It's true. It's true. He's right. Yeah. Well, let's get to, <laughs> let's get to the video. Uh, I think it just gets worse and worse. You're right. You're right. As we go down, and, and the funny thing about this video is, I mean, let, let's just let's just say it at the, the very beginning. You just see him coming down the stairs, you know, with the sailor hat, and all of a sudden it's like, ow! And, it's like, <laughs> and that Captain Stubing fucking hat, like it's just, it's I I don't know where to go with it. Like we could this video could be an entire episode. That hat, that sailor's hat. What are you doing? <sighs> it's like, but that beginning thing, like, like when 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 you hear the open, when you hear the ding, 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 and, he, and he's kind of slowly walking down the stairs, and you're like, oh, what's going on? Then the camera zooms in, and he goes, ow! <laughs> it's like, it's like, well, it it fits perfectly because he's got a Michael Jackson jacket on. Yeah, it's it's so bad, it's so he bad. Stole it from the fucking beat it video. I don't know where he got that fucking coat. Now the the girls in this video are pretty hot. What's going oh on? Oh my god! Oh, yeah, what's going on? There, I watch that on, on a uh, what do you call it? All exposed all the time. Yeah, that part when the when it when it breaks down. And it works oh yeah, yeah. And their asses are moving those beds, mm-hmm. and it's going with. I don't know who amongst us Kiss fans, as a guy or girl, wasn't like fucking when they saw that on Kiss Exposed, like yep. rewinding. 
rewinding, yeah. <laughs> rewinding. That is the hottest thing. It's going with the music and the ass. And then Paul's like going with his head like that in his arms. It like matches their ass. Just, yep. oh my God, that's fucking hot. And then Paul does the thing that ends up being on that rock and roll all night video where his hands are in the end. He's doing jazz hands yeah. with his back to the speakers. <laughs> yes, like doing yes. like preacher hands, like, yep. and the lights are going off and stuff. Yep. He's got leg kicks. He's hamming it up. He's got his Michael Jackson light up fucking Chris Jericho coat. He's got it all. <laughs> exactly. Oh, but yeah, that's uh that's uh, all night. And that's asylum. Oh my God. Oof. <laughs> Let's get back to this now, Tom, because what do we usually do when we finish this? We do rank the songs and uh, then we rank the album cover. Then we rank the album. Woo. You want to go first or do you sure. want me to go first? Nope, I'll go first. Uh, so number ten for me, I'm alive. I knew you'd do that. Yep. Number ten for me, without a doubt, loves a deadly weapon. Wow. Okay. Uh, number nine for me, King of the Mountain. Whoa. Yep. Number nine for me, Radar for Love. Oh, this is going to be a little bit more different than I thought. Number eight for me, loves a deadly weapon. Okay, number eight for me, King of the Mountain. Okay, my number seven would have been a little bit higher, but the lyrics drop it down to number seven, and that's Trial by Fire. I'm the same, Trial okay. by Fire, number seven. Now, this was a surprise when I was making put my list together. I was like, I'm going to give this song the sixth spot, and I never thought it would get this high, and that's Radar for Love. Okay, number six for me, is is my radar for love? That's I'm alive. Oh my god, number six. Whoa. Whew. Uh number five for me is uh all night. Number five for me, any way you slice it. Number four, who wants to be lonely? Number four for me, uh all night. Number three for me, any way you slice it. Number three for me, who wants to be lonely? Number two for me, Secretly Cruel. We got the last same, the same. Secretly nice. Cruel is my number two. Number one. Tears of Fallen. Wow, we got the same one and two. I don't think that's ever happened. Number one for me, Tears of Falling. Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, look at this. So Go ahead. my order is Tears of Falling, number one. Secretly Cruel, Who Wants to Be Lonely, uh, All Night. Anyway, You Slice It, I'm Alive, Trial by Fire, King of the Mountain, Radar for Love, Love's a deadly weapon. You want to read your list? Tears are fallen, secretly cruel, any way you slice it, who wants to be lonely, uh all night, radar for love, trial by fire, love's a deadly weapon, king of the mountain, I'm alive. So for me, I look at this as, you know, he had more opportunity for songs, but secretly cruel and any way you slice it, two and five. Paul didn't really beat Gene by that much. My top five has Paul, Paul at number one. And then I got Gene at number two and three. And then yeah. Paul and then Paul at four and five. And you have Bloods of Deadly Weapon as eight. And you have his two songs, Paul's as nine and ten. Yeah. So if you if you were to pretty much average this out, I think Gene for me probably may, yeah. may, have, may, may have scored higher on this album. Or it's about an it's about the same, which you can call me crazy, and I'm sure people will, but I think this album 
along with Crazy Nights, when we'll get to that, I think Gene's songs, I think Gene's songs on Crazy Nights are probably better than the songs on this. Maybe, who knows? But I think Gene's songs on this are good. And that's why when we did the uh, overrated, underrated, it's an underrated Gene solos, Gene songs in the 80s. Oh, they Very all are. Underrated. Agreed. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yep. So what do we go to next? We go to album covers, Tom. Yeah. So we've reviewed Kiss, Dress to Kill, Rock and Roll Over, Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, Unmasked, Animalize, Asylum, Hot in the Shade, Psycho Circus. Yep. Do you need me to read your list? I have my list right here. So my album covers are right now I have Rock and Roll Over, Gene Simmons, Dress to Kill, Kiss, Paul Stanley, Unmasked, Psycho Circus, Hot in the Shade, and Animalize. This is a tough one because... Hot in the Shade doesn't have the band on it, but for me, it's kind of like an icon, like Leon the Sphinx, you know, wearing the shades. I just, I'm just not a big fan of this. I'm going to have to put this between Hot in the Shade and Animal Eyes. I'm going to put it behind. Animal Eyes steals your worst. Animal Eyes is still last, and then Asylum's right above it, just because I like that Leon the Sphinx for Hot in the Shade. Okay, so that's our, we have 10 albums we've done. That's our top, that's your top 10. Rock and Roll Over, Gene Simmons, Dressed to Kill, Kiss, Paul Stanley, Unmasked, Psycho Circus, Hot in the Shade, Asylum, Animalized. Yep. Mine is Rock and Roll Over, Gene Simmons, Dressed to Kill, Kiss, Paul Stanley, Psycho Circus, Unmasked, Hot in the Shade, Animalized. I know exactly where I'm putting mine. I'm putting it right underneath Paul Stanley. I'm putting it above Psycho Circus. Wow. For me, that's number six. So I'm going Rock and Roll Over, Gene Simmons, Dressed to Kill, Kiss, Paul Stanley, Asylum, Psycho Circus, Unmasked, Hot in the Shade, Animalized. Wow. Technically, Psycho Circus, Unmasked, are makeup albums. I put that above them, and it's better than Hot in the Shade and Animalized. Wow. Okay. Interesting. I like it. I think it's iconic. I think it's different. I like the four faces, and it's not just the OU812 four faces. That I'll give you. Yeah, this is, this is better than OU812. I agree. All right, so we obviously talked about the albums, which albums we reviewed. Yep. Now let's go to the rankings. So okay. far, Tom, you've had, these are the way you've ranked your albums. Dress to Kill, Kiss, Rock and Roll Over, Paul Stanley, Unmasked, Hot in the Shade, Gene Simmons, Animalize, Psycho Circus. This is going to go right behind Hot in the Shade and above Gene Simmons for me. Okay, so this becomes your seventh song. Correct. Uh-huh. Yep, so I, so I will now have Dress to Kill, Kiss, Rock and Roll Over, Paul Stanley, Unmasked, Hot in the Shade, Asylum, Gene Simmons, Animalized, Psycho Circus. Okay. Yep. So for me, I have Rock and Roll Over, Kiss, Paul Stanley, Dress to Kill, Hot in the Shade, Animalized, Psycho Circus, Gene Simmons, Unmasked. I am putting Asylum Uh one notch above yours. I'm putting it sixth. So I'm going Rock and Roll Over, Kiss, Paul Stanley, Dress to Kill, Hot in the Shade, Asylum, Animalized, Psycho Circus, Gene Simmons, Unmasked. So we both have it right behind Hot in the Shade in our rankings. Yeah, the difference between you and I is you still like Unmasked High. I have... Unmasked is my least favorite of all. I love, I love Unmasked. Love it. So 
Damn, these rankings are awesome. Interesting rankings. It's pretty fun. Uh, this is fun to see because we that th- this is our tenth album review. So these these rank these studio albums are the rankings are taking shape here. And I'm looking at our rankings and I'm like, is there anything out there that's going to like knock off our last album or our first album? It's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. A lot of it has to do with how many throwaways. Yeah. Uh, what are you more sentimental with? You know what work? You know things like that. Yep. Agreed. So those are our album reviews. That's Asylum. I love our album reviews. Me too. Uh, We'll have a couple more coming up soon. Yep. And we hope that you guys enjoyed this album review. But, you know, what we do next is we usually go to questions. Yep. So I went with an easy question, a quick one, just because this album reviews are long episodes, so I didn't want to spend too much time on a question. So this is easy. This is uh, from our buddy Jay at the Hook Rocks. And he asks us, what is the first Kiss album you bought with your own money? Do you remember? I, I actually do remember. Yeah. So the first album I ever bought was Asylum for, with Kiss, with my own money. Oh, wow. Okay. Double Perfect platinum. timing. Double Platinum was the first CD I ever bought. I was still buying cassettes at the time. Okay. Well, I, I, yeah, I don't, it doesn't mean, not doesn't necessarily have to, just the first Kiss, like, yeah, I know that's what oh. I'm saying. But I've said the story many times about yeah. double platinum be the first CD I ever bought. But that point in time in '85 and stuff, I was still buying cassettes. Asylum was the first Kiss uh, cassette I bought. I had the other albums. I don't know how me and my brother got them. Yep. The other day, I asked him, "How the fuck did we have like Dynasty and Alive too?" And he goes, "Columbia House." Like, <laughs> parents who yep. knew nothing about this shit get us Columbia House. He's like, "Oh, we followed the." Our crazy cousins. We just signed up for the shit and never paid for it. <laughs> Columbia House was the best. I wish they'd bring that shit back. <laughs> oh, so great. Nothing more exciting than that huge cardboard package of CDs that would come. Oh, eight CDs for the price of one. Yep. I love it. Uh, so for me, the first one that I, I'm trying to remember, the first one that I bought with my own money, I believe, was Kiss Alive 2. Wow. Um, yeah, because at that time... Love Gun was my favorite, and I looked at that, and I was like, wait a minute. I can get live versions of Christine 16, Shock Me, uh, wow. I Stole Your Life. They have live. So I so I was like, I would take my favorite album and get the live version of it. And then ever since then, I was like, it's the freaking greatest live album ever made for me. But <laughs> but uh, but no, that's a great question. Jay, thank you for uh, for reaching out. And people, send us your questions. We, we, we get to them all. Some sooner than others. We try to maybe time them if they're related to the episode, but we will definitely ask, uh, get to your question. So please uh, email us at shoutitoutloudcast at gmail.com. You can email us questions, comments, episode ideas, suggestions, anything you want. And uh, we'll do our best to try to respond in a timely fashion or at least read it and get out, you know, get out to you with that. Uh, We're also on all the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we occasionally forget to mention this. We have a Facebook group, too, the Shout It Out Loudcasters. Join that. We're up to close to 600 people right now, and it's a a fun place. People posting pictures, videos, opinions, debates. It's it's a safe place, and we love all eras. Nobody's There's no assholes, no toxic people out there on that (laughs) Facebook group. So, yeah, we're out out on there, and then you can find us on all the big platforms. We're part of the Pantheon podcast group, and we're everywhere, you know, Apple, uh, Spotify, all those places. So, 
You can find us everywhere and check out also our buddy Ed at Click Tea Shop. Um, he sells awesome Kiss inspired gear as well as shouted out Loudcast gear. Um, so check Ed out at Click with a K T Shop dot com. Um, he's got awesome stuff and he's a great guy and we love to uh, to give him our business. Yeah, and uh, again, also you mentioned it, the the email was from the question was from Jay. Jay's got the Hook Rocks podcast. Yes, and uh, he talks about rock. He talks about also he's the one that does all the polls online. Yep, uh, great guy, great podcast. Talks a lot about the new music and stuff. I know that's not up our alley, Tom, but a lot yep. of people like that stuff, and he does a good job bringing new music to life. And he has a huge knowledge of rock and hard rock and metal and stuff. So yep. give Jay at the, the Hook Rocks podcast a listen. Yep. Um, and Good the only guy. other thing, Tom, to add is, you know, if you could give us one of those five-star star. child reviews on uh, podchaser.com and iTunes, uh, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, wherever you can give a five-star review, whatever you can do, we greatly appreciate it. It moves us up the food chain and then uh, allows for other people to find us. And again, as Tom said, send us messages, direct messages, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and especially email. The emails are always the best way to get in contact with us. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. We got a couple we want to read before we finish up. Tom, what do you got? Yep. So we got a we got an email from uh, uh, our buddy Kevin Northern. Um, we appreciate this email very much. He says, I doubt I can say it any better. All why all of your fans love this podcast, the connection with your sense of humor and the honest and open views you have towards kiss the good, the bad and the ugly are refreshing and make you feel like you could be in the room hanging with these guys talking kiss and busting chops. You bring fr- fun show themes and have great guests. I've been running through the episode at a pretty fast pace. Fucking flying, fucking flying. Drove it through the tolls, no stopping, no nothing. I'm good. He wrote that, <laughs> not me. He wrote that. Currently on episode 73, and always looking forward to the next one. Keep up the great work. Wish you luck in the future. Say a prayer. God bless us all, huh? God bless you, babe. Okay, thank you. Wish me. you luck in the future. Say a prayer. Thank you. Okay, see you later, fruitcake. Okay, bye. I love it. I love it. I love that we're I love that we're infecting people with the jerky boys. Kevin, thank you so much for the, the kind words and taking the time to write that email. We appreciate that very much. I'm going to keep with the same uh, on that same thread kind of uh, about what I got to. So this is from Marty White. Marty used to email us or comment on our YouTube stuff. And now he's sending us emails. You, uh, you know, he can comment either way. I like the fact that he emails us, too, because they're a little bit longer. So he wrote to us. Numbers, that's the heading. There is likely no mistake in your numbers. I've been listening to your older shows nonstop for the last few weeks. They are hilarious. <laughs> I'm the same age as you guys, but I wasn't as into the jerky boys, so I never got into some of the references. For instance, I thought that one guy who's always injured or worried was Mort from the family guy. It wasn't until the 4th of July episode that I realized it wasn't. <laughs> so I went down a jerky boy rabbit hole on YouTube Uh-oh. and found a clip of the unemployed painter. <laughs> yes. So if you guys listen to the, un- I'm off the email for a second. If you guys listen to unemployed painter, you'll find uh, somebody's intro sounds quite familiar with the first two seconds of that, e- of that clip. Yep. Um, 
Hey, what's up there, fruitcake? I'm looking for paintwork. Oh my god. I thought that was just the name Zeus made up to mock David Garibaldi. Or whatever <laughs> name was. Oh, Hilarious. Anyway, can't wait for the end of the road tour to resume. I need something to mock. Welp, my girlfriend just walked by. She's wearing her new summer dress. Time to go shoot her down with my love gun. <laughs> See you in the funny papers. And that's from Marty White. Oh, my God. Um, that's awesome. And we also have one that came on a similar theme, Tom, from our, uh, I think, shouted out loud casters, as you were saying. This is from Sean Hammond. Hi, guys. I always wondered where those funny voice clips during your show came from. I remember you casually mentioning the Jerky Boys. <laughs> casually? I started listening to their albums over the weekend, and I heard all the clips that you play. Great addition to the humor on your show. I, I mean, yeah, you'll find that a lot of our stuff is basically from that. And we tip the hat to them. Uh, I think that stuff is just shows our maturity level, Tom, but that's oh, yeah. us. Yep, exactly. I know. We, know. we love that, though. I mean, the fact that people are actually, like, checking out the Jerky Boys is like something I never thought we'd say. But it's great. I love it. Yep, yep. Many years later. Tom, in the end, getting famous last words? I got this feeling in me. Can't get you out of my head. One day, you say you hate me. But I found you in my bed. Yeah. Nice. All right. Take a look in the book of love. Oh, God. Man, it's understood. Right to the letter. One pretty girl makes you feel pretty good. Uh Uh-oh. Two's even better. (laughs) Tom, thank you. Kiss Army, thank you. Zeus, thank, bud, Zeus, buddy, thank you as always. Kiss Army, thank you. Shout out Loudcasters, thank you. Uh, enjoy, stay safe, and we'll see you soon. Peace out, Girl Scout. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 